Hi, friends. Happy Labor Day. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Down. So happy to be here with you today, wherever you're swimming, playing, enjoying a day off of work. I love that I get to be there with you. So thank you for having us join you. The music in the background, I hope you've been listening to this all weekend, is Dragons from Drew Holcomb. Make sure you grab a copy of that album. Today on the show is one of my sweet friends, Sharon Hottie Miller. She has a new book that just released called Nice. She is a force, a powerhouse, and one of my very favorites. She was in town a couple of weeks ago, and we got to sit down and chat. And you'll hear us a couple of times reference because my friend Annie Parsons is also in the room with us. And so she pops in every now and again. As you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was recording this very day of shows is the day I did not record it correctly or very well. And so you're going to get to lean into this one a little bit as well. Producer Chad has done a miraculous job of recovering an audio that should have never survived, but he did it. And it sounds good enough that I think the conversation was so good. I wanted you to hear it. So I apologize. Um, It is totally on me that the sound quality is what it is, but it will not happen again. I can promise you that. So here is my conversation with my sweet friend, Sharon Hottie Miller. Sharon, thanks for being back on the show. I'm excited. Me too. I know, because we didn't get to do this last time. We did it when you were on last time during the Christmas party of 2017. Uh, Tell me, as soon as we started talking about that, you said, I have a legacy here. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, you had asked me what sounds fun Uh Christmas, and I had said Hallmark Christmas movies. Yes. And since then, I feel like it's become a phenomenon. You started it in a lot of ways. It all started with me. Yes clearly grounded. Yes. Um, no, it really, like, I'd, I had listened to you at Christmas time this past year, and you had mentioned just in passing how there's been, like, podcasts that have... Yes. Like, yes. Out. And there was one in particular called Deck the Hallmark. Yes, that's and dudes, I right? I listen to it now. It's funny, right? <laughs> yeah. My favorite is Bubbly Sesh. Have you listened to Bubbly uh, Sesh? No. Oh, they're okay. great. They do year-round. Okay, okay. And they do all the movies. Yeah, they're cool. so great. Deck the Hallmark because they take it seriously but they don't take it seriously yeah they kind of make fun of it too uh-huh which i i kind of enjoy both right of it, right yeah so we talked about it then and then there was like you were an early adopter there. <laughs> it's true that's what you are um yeah so then there was like a huge response i think to that part of the podcast uh-huh like none of the spiritual stuff just right <laughs> So everybody needs to go back and listen to that. Like my soul. Yes. The Hallmark. But the thing people come up and speak to you about is like, when I heard you. Um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So then you did like a whole... Oh, yeah. Then we had Alicia Witt that year. And then last year we had Candace Cameron Bray. Which is amazing. It's all thanks to you, really. You're the one who started us off talking Hallmark movies. And you. I remember the day we talked and you sparked a vibe in me where I was like, huh, we should talk about all the Hallmark Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. You yeah. started it. You're the legacy builder here, oh Sharon. Goodness. Okay, the last time we were in the same place was Disney World. Speaking of fun yeah. places, uh-huh. did you have a great time? Did, speaking in Orlando is such a gift. Yeah, I'm trying to book all my speaking in Orlando. Uh-huh, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think you met my son. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I, so I love Disney. Uh-huh. I love Disney. And so when I discovered I was going to be speaking at the Children's Pastors Conference, and they they totally they were down. so nice, weren't they? they? Were amazing. Oh my gosh! A lot of them had their kids there, and they were like, "We're all background checked." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so, and I'm kind of... Yeah, that's right. Everybody's background checked in that whole conference. And um, <laughs> my son, at the, he's six. He's about to turn seven. But he's kind of at that age now where me traveling is, like, hard for him. Mm. And so, How do you know? What does he... Does he say with his words? Or yeah, can you just... Yeah, oh, he does. Every time I leave, he's like, no. Like, even oh, wow. Here, he was like, no. And so I... And I've never gone very long. But, yeah. you know, it just throws off the rhythm a little bit. How many are there now? Three? There's three. Okay. Um, And my four-year-old is, like, starting to get to that. As mm-hmm. well, which is a bummer, but um, yeah, I was like, I should just bring him, yeah. And so, and he's never seen me speak or anything, yeah. Walk into the auditorium, and I was like, hey, buddy, you know, I'm gonna get up on this stage, and so I was like, if you want it, you can sit in here and you can watch me, or if you want to sit in the green room and do Legos, like that's yeah, too. And I was like, what do you want to do? And he's like, I think I'm gonna do Legos, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then we went for a day and a half when I was done speaking, we went to Magic Kingdom. Yeah. And it was the best thing. It's one of the best things I have ever done. Really? Just being with him. Yeah. And just having that one-on-one time with him, like everywhere we went, I was just holding his hand and I was like, buddy, I'm going to remember this forever. Like, yeah. this is so special. And I think he was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's go to, you know, it's a small world or whatever. Yeah. Um, it was, it really, it was good for my heart. Like yeah. I just needed that one-on-one time with him. So it was a huge gift to be able to bring him to that conference. So we okay. were cracking me up because you, I would text you and be like, what about now? You'd be like, we're at the park. And then you'd be like, Hey, you want to get together now? And I'd be like, I'm at the park. I mean, we just were, we had no time when we weren't either on a stage or playing at Disney, I know. which is awesome. Anyway, so. How do you, how do you, talk to kids. There's so many of my friends who are listening who they have a job they go to every day, mm-hmm. husbands and wives, moms and dads, mm-hmm. and kids don't go with you to work. Mm-hmm. How do you explain mm-hmm. this, yeah. this ministry matches calling while you're a parent and yeah, well, I mean, some of it is my job and like, I just, I saw Jamie Ivy last week Yeah, yeah, yeah. explaining, she said, you know, I tell my kids, you know, those vacations you like to go on, like, this is how I pay for it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but also I, I tell them like, I'm going, every time I go, I say, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. And, mm. and I kind of walk through and say like, you know how Jesus is the most important to us and how he saves people and he rescues people. But a lot of people don't know that and we have to tell them. And so I, but he's still like, that sounds very spiritual, but he's at this age, he's still like, I don't care about that. Like mm. he's not, he, he doesn't feel that urgency yet. And I yeah. think my four-year-old is actually right now more kind of spiritually attuned than my six-year-old is. Mm. But, um, but at the same time too, like I ask, we ask our kids to tithe out of, you know, money that they get for their birthday. We ask them to make sacrifices, like little sacrifices, but not hard sacrifices because we are discipling them into following Jesus. And mm-hmm. that's part of it. And so I feel kind of like this is not me being gone for like 24 hours, me being gone for 48 hours. That's a sacrifice, but it's not a huge one. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not gone for three weeks. And so I feel like this is me kind of teaching them like part of following Jesus is doing hard things. Yeah. And so this feels like a manageable level of hard for their age that isn't going to, you know, traumatize them. Yeah, 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 of course. So that's kind of where we're at with that. Yeah, that feels like a real... Um I mean, I think about all of us that are on the road who do it, but there's so many like moms who worked all summer and their kids were at camps. Mm -hmm. They didn't get to just like stay home and play Mm -hmm. with their kids. Their kids had to be places too, because sometimes you just have to go to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, And so much of that too is 
a lot of that just comes down to like privilege because some people have to work mm. it is like you have to survive you have to mm-hmm. pay for things mm-hmm. so it's just you know part of growing up tell me what you know and think tell me what you think about privilege that we have that you weren't thinking about five years ago because I feel like it's a conversation happening everywhere right now is identifying that. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that I've been really aware of and is, is kind of adjacent to my book topic, but just being a, being white, being, you know, an upbeat woman with, you know, like a fun message or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for women like me, like in the church, there's a lot of book deals to be had. There's a lot of stages for me um, because I'm white and because my my message is about a particular thing. But one of the things I've been really challenged by in the last couple years is that, um, A, like how am I platforming women of color? You know, how am I using my platform to spotlight other women? But also how am I using my platform to talk about things that aren't popular and mm. things that are hard and that don't get uh, book deals. Yeah. <laughs> don't get, that don't, you know, aren't as just like wildly popular. Yeah. Um, and make sure I'm leveraging whatever influence I've been given, making sure I'm leveraging all of that faithfully mm. and, and counting the cost honestly. Yeah. So for me, one of the real clear ways that I can do that is by having lots of different looking people on my show and we're working really hard to reflect the kingdom of God better than we ever have before. But what does it look like for you to, to elevate women of color, Mm -hmm. um, in the way you, you can? Yeah. You know, I think in a lot, there's a lot of different ways that this can play out, but one way that this plays out that just is like very, very simple is just directing people, like trying to get eyeballs on women of color who I look up to and who are influencing me. Yeah. And I just try to do that on Twitter. Yeah. Lately, I try, I've been trying to just follow more and more people of color and try and like retweet people of color and try and um, just point people and say, this is why I value this person's voice. Yeah. It's not like that's not like world changer level, you know, uh, like it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. Cause that's what I want us all to feel is like, is there a way we can use our own Facebook? If, if, if I'm a mom who stays home with my three kids, mm-hmm. how can I be elevating mm-hmm. my neighbors? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a big, big step for a lot of people, is just listening more. Mm. I think that's the, the thing is just actually listening to voices that are different from your own. Cause I think we are all in kind of these echo chambers and we're all kind of in these, we're in our little like, you know, huddle or whatever. Yeah. And it kind of looks like us and just making that effort to, to read voices that are different from your own, who are saying things that maybe step on your toes, but at recognizing that when Paul talks about the body of Christ being diverse in first Corinthians that we, I think we, we have no idea like just how diverse he was talking and really like we are interdependent and we need, like, if you're the arm, you need the leg. Yeah. And I think we, instead we're kind of like, we want everyone to be arms. Yeah. Everyone act like an arm. That's so funny. That's the exact same analogy. Sherry Lynn used a couple weeks ago. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's for real. Yeah. it's, It's, if you take that seriously, then you wouldn't resent people who are different from you. You would understand, no, I 
need you. Yeah. Like, and we can't be the full body of Christ without each other. Yeah. But we're all just like, I'm an arm listening to other arms Mm -hmm. and we're not being a body. Yeah. And so I think you, one thing that we as leaders also have to model is I can listen to someone who disagrees with me and or has a different perspective. And that doesn't mean I just like fully endorse. Yes. They say that's one thing I'm like shouting from the rooftops is friendship does not equal full endorsement of every decision and behavior. I mean, it's true for me. You, you and I don't have to agree on every single thing to be friends. We agree on a lot of stuff, but Mm -hmm. you may not like my same football teams. I like Mm -hmm. that's okay. We can still be friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That matters to me. In a time like this where it's we're so polarized, we're so divided. And mm-hmm. see in the New Testament that that Paul especially, he's like unity, 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 like this matters so much that one of our, our jobs is to model what does unity look like in mm-hmm. a polarized moment like ours. And I think a lot of it means like reaching across the divide yeah. and saying like we we disagree on a lot of things, but we agree on Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That is enough. He is enough. Yeah. So I think that's really, really important. And, you know, sometimes if I retweet somebody or somebody retweets me, yeah. um, there's like, I just was, I had posted a picture with a friend and yeah. somebody retweeted it and um, he's complimentary and I'm not. And so people were kind of like, you know, what does this mean? Yeah. I was like, it means we're friends. Yeah. 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 Guess what? I can tell you exactly what it means. <laughs> means we're friends. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. Yeah. So. Okay. Explain the difference between complimentary and what you would say you are egalitarian mm, no right nobody I mean there is not a person in our age bracket that wants to be put in a box all the way like I'm guess I'm but I'm not really all the way that yeah 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 so I have the title of teaching pastor at our church okay um and you're on staff full-time I well, well. So I'm on staff but I'm not paid like okay right now, oh my gosh we're so similar <laughs> our church well our church is less than a year old yeah 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 it's like my gift to the church yeah ways, but, that's um, really kind of you yeah so I I'm a teaching pastor um I and you also have your seminary degree yes and you're ordained I'm not ordained you're not ordained not okay but okay just um I need to get ordained right I'm not yeah like tax what denomination is your church y'all planted? Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's that's our, our conviction when we look at scripture, when we look at women in the New Testament, the roles that they were playing. When we yeah. Women in the Old Testament, Deborah, Hulda, like women like that. Um, but complementarians, like we, we, we have a lot of friends who are complementarians. Yeah. And the thing that, that complementarians affirm that I also affirm is the difference between men and women. Yeah. Like that there is a difference. Yeah. I created man and woman. Yeah. And I think that one of the reasons I'm a little like iffy about egalitarianism is I don't feel like there's a, a satisfying explanation of like, why do we have men and women? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't like land really well in yeah. her category. Yeah. But again, like I, I so many of my friends are complementarian. Like Mine too. I support them. I believe in them. Yeah. Um, they uphold the full authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, like. All right. Yeah. I like to, I think of it more as like, it's not what men and women can do. It's where do they flourish? Mm -hmm. And so can we, can we Mm -hmm. back away from like 
men can't or women can't or men can and women can like, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Yeah. You know, well, and I love like, I think it's Jen Wilkin has been talking a lot about the like father voices and the mother voices. Yes. Like God has both. Like yeah. he uses that mother, you know, metaphor, but how we need both. in this Yeah. Church. Yeah. So I think that's really beautiful. And that's what I love about, about Jen is she's saying like, we, if we say we're complimentary then let's like live it. Yeah. That's, I, that's what I like about her too. She's one of my favorite voices. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just kind of giving scriptural strong leadership um, around this. I love it. I was listening. I listened to the chronological Bible in the mornings when I'm getting ready, just because I'm never very good at reading all the way through, but I can listen while I'm getting ready. And it's only like 15 minutes on the audio on audible. So the problem is they don't tell you where the scripture is. So I'm going to retell this story really badly because I don't know where this is in scripture, but I loved it this morning because they, it was, it's, it's the, um, minor prophets. It we're somewhere in the minor prophet area (laughs) and the King was trying to make a decision about these scriptures he had found and realized how far the, um, people, I think the people of Judah had gone from following God and they go to a prophet who's a woman to, to get to sort out what happens next. And I just thought, Oh man, I, I, a, I've never heard this before, but B we, this is so interesting that they are not going, our only prophets are women, mm-hmm. but we, we have male prophets who have a role and there's a female prophet yeah. who has a role here. Do you know the story? Do you know it off the top of your head? Is that the, pro- I think I mentioned Hulda. It's not her. Is it? Yeah, H U L D A H. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was one of the seven prophetesses according mm-hmm. to Jewish tradition: Sarah, Miriam, Deborah, Hannah, Abigail, and Esther. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So Holda. Like I like her. I'm gonna like do some time. I'm gonna do some time with Holda yeah, over the next few days. I really like, and this is not. And I think you're the same way. This is not like a soapbox issue for me. Oh, zero percent. I don't have time. Yeah, and I'm just like, hey guys, there's people that don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Can we just like rally the troops? Mm-hmm. Like that's how I feel about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I love the mother voice, father voice stuff, and I just love. I mean one of the best parts of having the show and being a part of the show is, is whatever I'm thinking about in my real life is what I want to talk with my friends about. And so we just all get to kind of journey on this together of like, yeah, we are all figuring out what it looks like to do this really well in 2019. And it really like the beautiful thing about it is I, and I know you've experienced this too. Like the reason I'm a teaching pastor at my church is because my husband Mm. and he, he was the one that I actually, when we planted our church, I was kind of like, you know, I'm, we have three little kids. I travel, I write, I have a lot going on. Yeah. And so I was kind of like, I don't know about that title. I don't know if I can commit to the expectations attached to it. Mm. I was like, no, Sharon, like we live in an area where women are CEOs. They are doctors. They are attorneys. They are leading in their careers. Mm -hmm. But we, as the church are not modeling for them. What does it mean to be a a female leader in the kingdom of God? Right. Right. And so he was like, it's really important for you to be on that stage Mm -hmm. to show them. And so he was, he was really like my cheerleader, my, yeah. my advocate. And what's y'all's ratio for who teaches, how much people teach? Is it just the two of you that are teaching right now? Okay. Yeah, um, it's like 60, 40, like okay. teaches, I, I teach like once 
it kind of like ebbs and flows. Like I taught last week and I'm, or I co-taught with them last week and I'm teaching this Sunday. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and I kind of joke with people, like if anyone has an issue with it, I just tell them I'm submitting to my husband. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Guess what? Surprisingly, I'm yeah. submitting to my husband. But, like, yeah. A lot of the women that I know who are like teaching on a Sunday morning, they didn't, they didn't force their way in the door. Yeah. It was because I have never forced my way. I've always been invited. Me too. Yeah. So yeah, it's their husbands or their pastors, you know, mm-hmm. you have, you have a lot of like brothers in Christ here who right. see your gifts and know that they matter and uh, that the church will be stronger because right. you are exercising your gifts on right. Sunday morning. And so that, that to me is just like such a beautiful picture of the church. Yeah. I, I think it's, um, it is fun to see where their church is going and I care a ton about being scripturally sound and that. And, and obeying the Bible, I think from start to finish, it is true. Exactly. And it is, it is, I was joking with Jenna that there are days if I haven't like ina- interacted with scripture before I get to work, it's a different kind of day yeah. for her as my coworker, yeah. you know, like it is, the Bible is living and active yeah. and it, it will change you. And yeah. so I want to stay really true to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to be open to giftings that God has put in my own life. Yeah. So to like not bury your talent in the ground. Yeah. Right. I love that. You know, in the message version of that story, he says, um, the owner for the guy who has three, two and five or three and five, the guys who invest theirs, he says, from now on, I want you to be my partner. And Oh my gosh, that like scripture has moved me so often of like, man, that what God actually offers you when you invest what he's given you is a partnership and ministry, which is like more than I deserve. Mm -hmm. So, um, okay. Tell me about your new book. Nice. Nice. Why we love to be liked and how God calls us to more. I'm going to hate this. (laughs) I'm going to hate what you're about to do to me. Aren't I? Yeah. Sharon, you always do this. You did this in free of me too, where I was like, oh, she's just asking me to be better than I want to be. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Give it to me. So the, the seed of this book actually came in free of me. So really first like chapter of free of me, I have just like a paragraph where I was looking back on my childhood. I was raised in the church. I was a really good Christian kid. I was a rule follower, high achiever, all of that. But I can look back and I, at the time, I would say I did all of that because of Jesus. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a good kid because of Jesus. But what I can look back and also see is that it was really beneficial to me to be a rule. Interesting. Why? Um, it, it got me a lot of affirmation. Yeah. I was a people pleaser. It, you know, I had the, the approval of my parents and my Sunday school teachers and my, you know, my regular teachers, like all the adults in my life, like approved of me and thought I was great and were like pointing to me as an example. And so I could look back and I could see that I was this, this nice Christian girl but I wasn't sure if I was so nice because I wanted to honor Jesus or because it got me things. Girl, and you better get out of my office. <laughs> that is real. Um, and I'm sure it was some of both. Mm-hmm. So I had like a little, just a paragraph of that in like the first chapter of the book. Yeah. But I kept thinking about it and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And part of the reason I couldn't stop thinking about it is that I, I could see how this tendency had continued to follow me into adulthood and especially mm. into ministry. And kind of what I said earlier, for women in ministry, 
there's again there's like a lot of rewards if you have kind of a certain image and you have a certain message yeah and yeah just for being like a nice christian girl like people people will listen to that and they'll like it and they'll approve of you but i started to feel this tension in my heart a number of years ago when especially i I have a blog and i i felt like i was seeing some things happening in the world that i wanted to talk about like specifically racism Mm -hmm. and i I had written up this blog but then i was afraid to publish it Mm. and i thought you know is this outside of my you know message Mm -hmm. like is will my audience receive this Mm -hmm. will they like me anymore or will they reject me will Mm -hmm. they push back will this Mm -hmm. change the way that they see me and when i saw that fear in my heart over speaking about something that is true you know that that really was a wake-up call for me that this this nice girl image had maybe become kind of an idol and so that's- you're like the best and the worst about calling out idols that we worship. I'm always like, oh, like you'll say something on Twitter and I'll be like, Sharon, you're right. I hate this. But you're right. It had become this thing. Yeah. Define what an idol is because we don't go to other temples and worship statues anymore. So how do we know when something has become an idol in our lives like that? It's the thing that you really depend on. So- yeah, but I think even Christians would go like, well, I really depend on God. I just really care about doing a good job at work. Yeah. So when's it, what are some other telltale signs? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think of it as like the thing that you really depend on for your contentment. It's the uh-huh. thing you really depend on for your security. You know, it's the thing you really depend on for your happiness. Mm. And so like in that moment, I had to make a choice. Like, do I depend on this image that has served me really well? Or do I depend on the word of God? Yeah. You know? So that, that really sent me down this journey of looking at this false virtue and this false idol. Because with the option, you had to give up one or the other? Um, I mean, not necessarily. I think that, because I think that you can swing from one to the other. I think that in our culture right now, you have these two extremes where you have people that are just kind of, I'm not going to engage any of you know what's going on in the world today. I'm just going to talk about, I'm going to kind of put my head in the sand, but attach Jesus to it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to be very upbeat, but I'm not, not going to talk about like world events or stuff like that. But then you have other people that are just losing their ever loving minds yeah. on social media yeah. and are just name calling and um, slandering and angry and divisive. But I see those as two different sides of the same coin, which is just a lack of spiritual formation. Mm. And so really, like, to give you kind of a big picture of this book and, and for people listening is with with nice Christianity, it looks like the real thing. Like, in a lot of ways, it looks like the real thing, that we, sh- we should be kind. We should be loving. We should be gentle. Yeah. But Jesus says that you will know a tree by its fruit. And so I started to ask the question, okay, what fruit does nice Christianity bear? Because even niceness itself, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just when it's your compass, Uh it becomes a problem. Uh It becomes an ultimate thing. And so when you're more concerned with being nice, when you're more concerned with being likable, when you're more concerned with will people reject me or will will I lose them, what fruit does that bear? Mm. And when I looked at my life, I could see it was bearing fruit of inauthenticity, where instead of saying what is truthful, you are just nice. Like in a relationship, you were noticing that about you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you, I noticed the fruit of cowardice, which is exactly what that, that blog situation was where I was being cowardly instead of just speaking the word of God. Um, for me and and here's the other thing, being a coward and saying something and being wrong Mm -hmm. is still okay. Mm -hmm. Like you say, 
it wasn't, it was, it, I was being cowardly, but it was the word of God. Even if it wouldn't have been exactly the right thing, it still would have been a good move to try. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I saw, I saw cowardice. I saw self-righteousness, um, where I was so just my, my Christianity was so bound up in being this good person, being this nice Christian that it became a a point of, uh, judgment against other people. Mm. Um, this is so good. It's such a good, easy, those are such good handles on mm-hmm. what it could look like if this is, yeah. if your niceness has mm-hmm. beca- is becoming a problem. Um, I saw also corruption where we, lots of times we will kind of excuse what's going on in a person's personal life if they are nice to us. Um, or if it's a leader who has like impacted us in some way, we'll mm-hmm. kind of excuse like what's really going on underneath. Um, and so that's just some of the fruit that I noticed. And so the question then is, is when I was first thinking about the structure of this book, originally I thought, okay, I'm going to have the bad fruit of niceness and the second half, I'm going to have the fruit of the spirit. Right. Kind of, I was, it'd be like a good, like one-to-one. Right. But then I thought, that's missing some steps there Mm. because you can't go to an apple tree and just shout at it bigger apples. Right, right. You have to cultivate, like an apple tree farmer, he cultivates his trees, he uses uses practices to cultivate. And so I I think that too often what we're doing is we're looking at the world and like what a mess it is, and we're saying instead of being, you know, angry, um, be this. Or even instead of being nice, be this. Yeah. Be kind, be brave, you know, stuff like that. But that's not how spiritual, that's not how we cultivate our yeah, like yeah, yeah. Steps. Right. And I think part of the problem is we don't know the steps. Mm-hmm. And that's, I can even see this principle playing out. Like whenever people give me a plant, I just kill it. Oh my gosh. I can't like, keep a plant alive. I can't keep a plant alive. I can't either. And I, and I try yeah. so hard. Yeah. And I cannot keep a plant alive. And part of the reason is I don't know how, like no one has ever told me. Right. And every plant is different. Um, there's there's practices. There are steps right. for cultivating plants and for cultivating trees, and our souls are like that. Yeah. What I realized the second half of the book needs to be is not just saying instead of being this, be that, is because because otherwise you just flip between the two. You flip between niceness and like cynicism. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Um, is that we need to talk about actually cultivating our souls? Yeah. And then the fruit will come. So actually, how you treat the soil. Mm-hmm. It is going to affect the fruit more than how you, what you yell at the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that has even changed my parenting because I, so I sometimes say like, be nice. I'm trying to move away from that. Yeah. Be kind. But then I realized they don't know how to be kind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know how to be generous. Yeah. Like that's exactly the same as me shouting at the world. Like you just need to be this. My kids, I need to help cultivate those things inside of yeah. them as well. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation with Sharon to tell you about our sponsor for this show, Flamingo. Y'all, we've gotten through most of the summer and y'all keep telling me on Instagram, on Twitter and all the places that you are loving your Flamingo razors. Me too. With swim season and summer travel and sitting at soccer games and it being a million degrees and wanting to wear shorts, Flamingo razors have become my very favorite. Flamingo makes body care for women with hair, and it's a great razor, shave gel, body lotion, the works. 
What I love is that Flamingo was started by a group of women who already worked at Harry's, which was a men's shaving brand. And they realized they were using the men's razors because there wasn't an option that felt right for them. But what you and I know now, if you've used your Flamingo razor and I've used mine, is that these are amazing. Hair removal can be a chore, and that's okay. But the Flamingo Shave Set makes shaving more enjoyable than ever. It's a $22 value, but for you guys, it's $16 and ships for free. So easy. The Flamingo Shave Set is your whole routine in one reusable pouch. It includes the parts you skimp on, me too, like shave gel and exfoliating lotion. And they even include a shower holder. The Flamingo Shave Set is the talk of the town this day. It's been all over social media and print media like Vogue, Glamour. Well, and that sounds fun with Annie F. Downs. So you guys, try your Flamingo Shave Set before the summer is over. It's a $22 value for just $16 with free shipping today when you visit shopflamingo.com slash Annie. Again, that's shopflamingo.com slash Annie. Now back to the show. Okay, so instead of telling your oldest son to be nice, what do you do? Well, that's actually, that was a very recent light bulb moment Uh for me. And it's, my kids are little, and so I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but we are. You are an expert at being their mom, though. You're the only one. So you can speak from an expert point of view. So, but I I have not, like, parented them out of the house. Sure. Um, So I speak from a place of humility. That's very kind of you. That's very kind of you. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're trying to teach them about giving and just like talking through, like we, we make them give, but we also talk to them about why we give. And mm. so we're, we're hoping that, you know, talking about how people, you know, need our help and how that's partially, you know, the role of the church. And so we're talking through all of those things. And we talk about, like, I'm trying to teach my oldest about empathy because that's really, really hard for him. Yeah. And he, I'm, I'm hoping that if I just talk about it, talk about it, talk about it, model it, pray for it, yeah. that that will, God will help develop it. And that's the, that's the good news about parenting is that, you know, that, that verse about how, um, I think Paul was talking about how, you know, I planted and Apollos watered. Yeah. It's God. But it's God. Yeah. And it's the same with our souls. And I think it's the same with our kids where we, we do our best to like water and, you know, plant and cultivate, but it's God who gives the growth. And yeah. I just, at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, please, <laughs> please, please grow this thing. <laughs> I did everything I could today. <laughs> how do you do it in yourself? Cause there, when I think about my own self-talk and my own like be nice mm-hmm. comments about the internet. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of different ways to come at this and I learned a lot. So even though I'm a plant killer, I was looking at just different agricultural practices because yeah. Jesus, you know, he talks about abiding and he uses this um, this analogy of like the vine. Yeah. And, and he says, you know, abide in me essentially but that, that vine itself is a teacher. And we need to look at wh- how are these principles, how did he write them into creation? Because so much of what we need to know is actually right in front of uh-huh, us. Uh-huh. So I did a lot of studying about, um, like tomatoes are really fascinating. Really? A lot of like spiritual truths, like. Oh my gosh, go tell us. Okay, okay. So tomatoes, you know heirloom tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, they're so beautiful. They're, and they're like amazing, they taste yeah. so good. But then you have these 
tomatoes that you get on your burger at Wendy's that's like pale. Yes, yes. Tasteless. So gritty. Those round red ones that they look perfect, Uh but they're kind of hard and just not as flavorful. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is genetic engineering. Uh So years and years ago, I think it was like the early 1900s, they discovered that there's a gene that can make tomatoes all look the same. And it also, so they all look red. They're yeah. all like perfect. And they're all a circle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're all. Or a sphere. They're not a circle. Yeah. They're all, um, they're all kind of firm. And so they uh-huh. can stand up to being transported. Yeah. But, and so that seemed to kind of make it more appealing to the eye. But that same gene that made them all look beautiful, it also affected the flavor. Oh, wow. Like, turned off the flavor in a sense. Oh, wow. And so that's why those like perfect looking tomatoes don't taste very good. Right. And I was reading about this and I was like, gosh, this is such just a metaphor for the human soul. Right. You know, thinking about how we are nice, but we're fake in order to be accepted. Mm. And we put on this nice appearance, this attractive appearance in order to belong. And when we do that, when we are fake, we kind of turn off the flavor gene of our Mm. actual personality. Mm. And so I discovered that. I also discovered um, there's these hothouse tomatoes that are grown year round. And scientists cannot figure out why they don't taste as good as tomatoes that are grown seasonally, like in the wild. And they've tried to replicate like UV rays as a part of it. Yeah. pumping UV rays and it still like didn't didn't work. Oh my gosh. And so there was something about I'm so here for the science right now. Something about them just growing in the wild where they're like vulnerable to the element uh-huh. that cultivates this richer fruit. Wow. And so that was another thing where I think we use niceness to kind of create this hot house of security around ourselves. Like we use nice to protect ourselves. Mm. Like we don't want to have those hard conversations with people. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to say hard things. Yeah. And because of that, our, our, the taste of our fruit is bland. Yeah. So there, I learned a lot about that. I learned about, um, this process called, so you've heard of pruning, but there's also yeah. a process called thinning with like peach trees where okay. if you have a tree that bears too much fruit, cause you always think like the more fruit, the better, Yeah. but a tree can only bear so much fruit. It has a limited amount of nutrients. And so if it bears too much fruit, it'll have a ton of fruit, but the fruit yeah. is small and it'll be under foreign. It'll be less flavorful. Mm. And so they thin the tree so that it bears less fruit, but it bears better fruit. Wow. And so this principle of this, this really got me because this idolatry of influence, this idolatry of like fruit. Because uh, one thing, when you say things that are hard, people will come at you and they yeah. will say, this is a distraction from the gospel. They will say, you will, if you say that, you will lose people. Mm-hmm. And I look at people like Ezekiel and I look at Jesus and I say, you know what? He lost people. Yeah. Like sometimes he lost people. Like, like people literally people walked down. away. He, he said, you're going to have to eat my flesh yeah. and drink my blood. And people are like, we are out. And like even Ezekiel, he sent Ezekiel to people and he said, they will not listen to you. Yeah. Go and tell them anyway. Yeah. And so there's something to be said for not being driven by what keeps the most number of eyeballs, mm. but just what is true. Yeah. So, so just, you know, kind of thinning that, thinning your branches in a sense, yeah. um, producing less maybe. Um, there's so many. That speaks so much to me right now because, you know, I'm not traveling this fall yeah. and that is, um, yes. that speaks so much to me about feeling like 
it doesn't, you don't always quit things because they're bad or wrong. Right. Sometimes you just have to yeah. prune back a little bit. I went to Napa a couple of years ago and we were there in February. Mm-hmm. And it would, you know, we're at this one winery and there, um, they're walking us through the grapevines and I'm watching them cut their they're pruning back and they're just cutting like crazy. And I'm just sitting there crying <laughs> because I'm thinking about John 15 and, and what, and, and she, the, the winemaker keeps saying the reason we're having to cut these back is because of what they can do. So the, the three branches we're keeping, we're so careful about and we're, and they were tying them to the vine strings. That's someone's going to email me the correct language for that, but there are strings that connect vine to vine to vine. And they're like, these three are the three that we know are going to bring fruit next year. So we have to cut them back and we have to cut the rest of them off. And I'm just like crying. It's about quality, not quantity. Yeah. Yeah. It's true for ministry. It's true for life. Like it's even just in my family. Like I say no to a lot right now because my kids are little Mm. and I want to be a good mom. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm cutting back. I'm doing less so that I can be a better mom and a better wife. And yeah. that's just the season. And just in. better to yourself, probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like Sabbath. So I can have a Sabbath. Yes, you girl. Know. You know, I love to talk about Sabbath. Yeah. I'm, I believe in it. Yeah, I do too. I, um... Yeah, I, I'm in a place in my life where I feel like the Lord, besides not traveling, has invited me to a few other simplifying behaviors. And it is all about like, I just need you to say no more. Mm-hmm. Like I need you to, there are things I need you to say yes to, but you can't even see them because of how much fruit is right in front of you. That makes it sound like not in a success way by any means, but in like a, there's literally, you've said yes to all these things. Mm -hmm. I need you to say no to like nine out of 10 of those because there's a yes on the other side of this. And that is not easy for my personality. (laughs) I I like saying, I like traveling. Like I'm, I don't want to be home for six months, you know, but there is, there is something to the pruning of this. And I also really like being healthy. Yeah. (laughs) In a mental, emotional, right. Like physical, spiritual, the whole thing. Yeah, that's right. How has saying no made you healthier? Um, I, I don't, I'm not ringing myself out, you know, and in a lot of ways, Jesus already rung himself out, you know, Mm. so we don't have to do that, but I don't like being stressed out all the time. I don't like feeling really hard pressed. I like having some kind of space to breathe just for me mentally. I kind of, um, if I have too much going on, I start to feel trapped a little bit. I start to feel like really anxious and, and overwhelmed and I just, I don't like feeling that. Yeah. And so I, for me too, I've gotten to a point where I could say like, I really want to be at that thing, but I like feeling this way. Yeah. Okay. So there's like a dude listening on a treadmill and he is like, his life is so full and there's a mom who's like going between Trader Joe's and carpool pickup and listening to us as she's going how how do you figure out what to say no to because it feels like you need to say yes to everything yeah well for some of that I think there is knowing what do you really need versus what does the world tell you that you need you know how do you figure that out comparison tell you they need so with with parenting for example one thing that we currently are not doing and and I'm sure this will change but my kids are not in any extracurricular anything. Oh, that was just like a decision y'all made. Yeah, they yeah. don't do, they're not on soccer teams. They're not taking piano lessons. They're not doing any of that. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason for us, and you know, everyone's life is different. But sure. for us, our lives are bananas. We yeah. started a church. 
we have a ton going on. Yeah. And so we need that time in the evenings where we just recenter and we are with our kids and we are really focused on them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just spinning constantly. Yeah. And it also, it, it is like a lot easier for us if we, at the end of the workday, aren't then driving off in different directions, taking them to different stuff. Now, I feel pressure sometimes because a lot of my friends with kids that are our kids' age are involved in soccer camp and they are or soccer teams and yeah. swimming and all of that. And so sometimes I look at those things and I think, gosh, you know, should should I be, should we be doing those things? Mm-hmm. Are, are, are our kids missing out? Are we not cultivating something in them that we should be cultivating? But then I, I kind of realized like, no. Mm. And it's seasonal, right? You're not saying no for the perpetuity of their lives. This isn't like a legalism thing. Right. Like this is us. It's like my travel. It's not everybody's rule. Yeah. It's my rule for this season. But I felt like my kids' happiness, my kids' wholeness, um, their future does not hang in the balance of whether or not they're on a soccer team right now. Right. And so just being able to say, sometimes I look at the world and I feel this pressure in this comparison. That's mm-hmm, what it is. Mm-hmm. If you look and you see, gosh, you know, I should be doing that because like everybody else is doing it. Mm-hmm. But then thinking, okay, where is that coming from? And is that true? Yeah. And then that makes it really easy to just say no. And I think the beautiful thing is there's not a lot that, so somebody's listening and goes like, yeah, there's this one thing we could say no to that would really simplify my schedule. Mm-hmm. Do it for one season, and if it and if you miss it desperately and doesn't work, yeah. say yes again. Yeah, like I, you don't have to make any decision between now and the day you die. Yeah, I really except Jesus, I we'd mean, recommend you that. Said that you like love Sabbath, and I love Sabbath. I love and it, you, it's, but it's hard for it's me. Funny, but, it's not hard for me. I love to rest. I love to just be with my family. Yeah, just, yeah. Cause see, when I Sabbath, I'm by myself. Yeah, and so it's a little bit of a different. It's kind of like, well, yeah. Okay. And our Sabbath, granted, our Sabbath isn't like restful. Yeah. As I say, that's the difference. I get to sleep um, in. Yeah, I get to slowly drink my tea. You still have children who wake up and need restful. food. Like, yeah. We don't talk about church. Ah, uh, that, that's the rule. We don't talk about work. Okay. Um, and that is very restful, but yeah, I love, I love just Sabbath rest that was given to us as a gift. Yeah. Right. It was a curse. You know, right. The amount of people that don't practice it. Like, no, this is a huge gift. Girl, when I taught about it at church the other week, I was like, y'all take so serious the commandment that says do not murder. Yeah. But you aren't that serious about Sabbath. Like, whoa, we definitely can't kill people, yeah. but we don't need to rest. This is the fun one. Yeah, right. The one that is like, I was going to say easy, but like, it's pretty easy for me not yeah. to kill people too. But I mean, it's like, come on, you get to take a day off. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, and that orients like the whole rest of your schedule. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It anchors it. Yeah. Yeah. To me, the finding rest for you as a single person or as a family member, um, it is some, it is a practice you get to learn. So you guys not doing any extracurriculars right now, right now is a practice your family is trying that will last until it doesn't work for your family anymore. And, and so I think there just needs, you're doing this, but I think if we were all actually sitting in a room with all of our friends listening, I'd be like, just try the thing that's coming to your mind. Mm-hmm. Try doing without that and see what happens. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. um, I just think people need permission because they're like stressing out between Trader Joe's and carpool pickup and the thing and the thing mm-hmm. of like, how do we even define and decide what to say no to mm-hmm. right now? Yeah. Yeah. So especially when school comes back, you have a new teacher and your kids have new friends maybe, and there's new people on the soccer team and you want to be nice. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, you want to yeah. be the nice person mm-hmm. and Sharon saying, don't let that be an idol. Yep. Exactly. 
Just don't let it rule you. Um, is this book mostly for women? No. I wouldn't say that it is. I actually intentionally... So with Free of Me... Yeah. Uh, and you know how it goes. With women authors, we are marketed to women. Yeah. But really, Free of Me was for everyone. Mm-hmm. It was about focusing on God instead of yourself. And oftentimes, the, the cover itself was feminine. And so I would hear from men all the time saying, you know, is this for me? Or I would say you should market this more towards men because this is for men. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And so with this one, I kind of, with the cover, I had like a big back and forth. It's still yeah. a feminine looking cover, but I had like a huge, it's cool though. My, yeah. Um, with my publisher over this, but I more intentionally wrote it for men and women. Mm-hmm. So like the examples that I use, yeah. um, I tried to make sure it was really, it didn't feel like I'm just talking to women. In it, yeah. So. Yeah. And I think it is, um, I mean, it's one of the reasons we're doing a leather cover, 100 Days to Brave, mm-hmm. in October, is I, is that that cover was pink and gold. Yeah. And I wrote it for women or for men, mm-hmm. and men and women read Let's All Be Brave, but then yeah. it's hard for a dude to yeah. carry around a pink yeah. and, and this is, glittery cover. And this is cover. not just a woman problem. I mean, I part of, part of what got me thinking about this is I'd heard a story... Uh, of this this leader that had some like ethical problems and there were some men who were kind of trying to decide if they were going to work with him or not and they were like I don't know if I'm going to work with this leader but then they met him and after they came away from the meeting they were like we're going to work with him because he's just so nice Mm. and I was like "Mm." (laughs) you're like did you hear yourselves ethical problem doesn't mean anything yeah that's right (laughs) tell it yeah so yeah, show me the fruit. Yeah, that's right. So when you're looking at one of the things I wouldn't encourage our friends listening to do is to look at other people's lives necessarily. And like, don't read Sharon's book and then go like, oh yeah, that girl, Beth down the street just like doesn't have the fruit. Yeah. Like she's so great. Right. But when we look at our own lives, what are some questions we should start asking? We've ordered the book today. It came out a couple of weeks ago. We've ordered it today and we're going to start reading it. What are some questions we should start asking even now while we're walking into this? Yeah. I mean, I would just pay attention to this word, first of all. Mm, how much you hear it. Oh, it's going to be like the worst, isn't it? Like where you hear it. Like like another example where this got me. I tell the story is I was watching, it was like Dateline or something. Uh-huh. So my parents are super duper into Dateline. They watch it every single night. And I don't know why. It's on every night? Like at, at some channel. Oh my gosh. I watch it and I don't know why because it's like always the husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. Uh huh. You know? And I'm like, this is how y'all want to go to bed. Right. But they watch it every night. And so I was sitting there, we were watching this story of um, this woman who met this man and they got married. Yeah. And he like, he changed out of nowhere. Like, she he was a prince charming and then he became this horrible person. Yeah. She was like, I don't know, like, how this happened. But the backstory is he used to be married to her best friend. And when he was married to her, he was abusing her. Oh, my gosh. And so she had seen... She had seen his real him. Like yes. she knew exactly who he was. But he was so nice to her mm. that she was she was like, Oh, he's changed. And then when they got married, he he Well, fled. that's terrifying. So, <laughs> it's a great story, everybody. Y'all have a good night. <laughs> Y'all go, everybody go to sleep thinking about that. <laughs> but then she like that in the news. Yeah, all the time. Like they were so nice. I don't know. But then when you look like a little bit closer, you see no, they were you could see it. Yeah. Like, there was always was something. There. It was yeah. a matter of discernment, but it served you to see their niceness. Oh, Sharon. Personally beneficial to you to accept their niceness. 
everybody in this room feel is hating everything you're saying because it's so right. And that to me, like that, and you'll just get me off on another. No, let's do it. That is discernment is not just about us not being duped. It's about the fact that when you overlook, like we see this with all these like abuse cases right now, like with Rachel Denholland. Yes. Where like these girls went to their parents and they went to authorities and they said, "This man is abusing me." And mm-hmm. like, no, this is an upstanding doctor. Right. This is our friend. And they they overlooked this man, what he was actually doing because of his his nice reputation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so discernment for us as Christians is so important because if we choose to see niceness instead of who they actually are, then who that person is hurting is there's implications for that and and how we are reaching out and caring for the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to pay attention just because it's your pastor who, you know, shared the gospel with your kids or, you know, meant so much to you, did your premarital counseling, you know, that can, you can say that they were impactful to my life, but also they did this horrible things and those two things exist in the same world. Yes. But too often we say that can't be true. Mm. That can't be be really who they are Mm -hmm. because of this. Yep. We have to hold those two things together. People are complicated. Yeah. That and David. Yeah. All throughout the Bible. Yeah. The ability to, um, I'd love you using discernment as that word. Cause so often when I think of discernment, I think of when you walk in the room and you're trying to feel if it's good or bad, mm-hmm. or you're trying to like sense, is there like something going wrong here? But there's another version and level. I won't even say level. There's another version of discernment that says, um, I'm actually just paying attention to this full story and figuring out what is actually true yeah. and, and being able to hold the history you have with someone and the current knowledge you have of them at the same time. I have people like that in my life who are that, and you have to go like, I remember the good you did. And I know the truth of what you've done. And it's really hard. It's really hard. It's very, very hard. Yeah. But it's important to call that. And it's, and this is, I can just keep on talking and talking. Come on. This is also like one of my chapters, the fruit that I talk about is cynicism. Mm-hmm. And that's a really surprising fruit of niceness. But the reason that it's it's a fruit of niceness is that when you have this kind of like rose-colored glasses view of the world, or like if I'm nice to people, they'll be nice to me. Um, you have this, you know, idealistic view of the world. Yeah. And that is shattered. Yeah. Lots of times in its place is cynicism. That's uh, how people get to bitterness. That's how people get to resentment. And so we have to have this more complex, nuanced understanding of the world and understanding of people. And that just because they're nice to you doesn't mean they're not a sinner. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're not really, really broken. And those things can exist together. And so when we see the full picture of them, that doesn't have to shatter everything we yeah. thought we knew. Yeah. And so that's also another reason why we need to cultivate something better and truer and fuller than just nice. Yeah. That's really good. Thank you for writing a book that isn't easy. There are a lot of easier ones you could have done. Yeah. <laughs> I hope your next one gets to be easier, but Me that doesn't too. seem to be how it goes. Me too. <laughs> yeah. But I'm really grateful. I think um, this book really matters for us. Thank you. So thank you for um, what you had to put into this and what you had to pay. So we, we will not be able to repay you, but I'm really grateful.
So, um, of course. Hey, the last question we always ask mm-hmm. because the show is called that sounds fun. You knew this was coming cause mm-hmm. you've done this. Mm-hmm. What do you do for fun? What's fun to you? So what sounds fun to me right now is on Monday, I am going to Puerto Rico. What? Because we're celebrating our 10th anniversary. Oh, that's amazing. So this will be our first full vacation since we planted our church. Oh, wow. About our kids. How long do you get to go? Five days. Oh, wow. I'm like... You're like, if I can just get to Monday. Eyes on the prize. Yes. We are just... Yeah. (laughs) Tell me what you know about being married 10 years that you didn't know the week before you got married. Like, 10 years ago right now. Uh, I don't deserve Ike. (laughs) Really? He is a good man. Yeah. good man. And he has... He's changed... I used to see spiritual leadership as being this like kind of um, male head, strong, loud, you know, that's kind of how I used to think of spiritual leadership. Yeah. But he has redefined it for me in a way that is much more Christ-like, which is he is a man who lays himself down for me Mm. again and again and again. And I, it's so humbling and it's so disarming and his his here's the thing about him his strength does not require my weakness wow and that is a whole other kind of strength yeah and so he is i hope you can meet him one day yeah he's the best what um can you give an example of what it looks like when you mean he lays his life down for you is there like an easy example that wouldn't embarrass him or you um God, if there's not that's fine yeah, but I mean, it's just simple things like you know who's getting up with the kid at night Mm-hmm. You know, just where he's just like, I'm going to let you sleep, you know, mm-hmm. and he does it again and again and again. Um, yeah. Even in a conflict, he'll be the first one to say he's sorry. Mm-hmm. And it's just really disarming. So it's it's in big ways and small ways. But yeah, yeah he, that I, I have come to understand strength in a completely new way than I ever did. Yeah. But so go to Puerto Rico and celebrate that. We will. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. I hope you like leave your phone somewhere in America and just go listen. That's what my friend Lindsay and I always say, like throw your phone in the ocean and start a new life. Yeah. That's what you should do. Just throw your phone for a week. What are you going to do? Do you love to read? Are you a reader? Uh, I don't know. So we, I've been texting with, do you know Carlos Rodriguez? Uh-huh. Um, so he's down there. Okay. So I've been texting with him and his wife has, she does horseback riding. Oh, cool. So he's hooking us up with that. Yeah. And we're going to do like a sunset cruise one night, but we really need to rest. Yeah. We need to just like lay down Sleep. and like, yeah. Yeah. We really need that. Okay. We'll do that. Um, thank you for doing this. Thanks for being on the show. That was great. Friends, I told you it was worth the less than A-plus quality that we go for because that conversation was so good. Sharon is so smart, wise, strong. I mean, she is just, uh, she has a lot of things I want to be, and I love getting to talk to her. Please make sure you grab a copy of her new book, Nice. It just came out a couple of weeks ago, and it is really, really excellent. And make sure you give her a follow on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Tell her thanks for being on the show and how much this conversation meant to you. I just love when you guys tell our friends who come on the show. Um, Thanks. I think that's really fun. If you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs all across the internet, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you would need me. Today, the F is going to stand for um, failure because I recorded it wrong. But Chad resurrected it, so it's okay. Annie F. Downs everywhere you need me. That's how you can find me. 
And if you are friends with some women who are teaching from stages or want to be teaching from stages or pastor's wives, this may be a great show to share with them today to encourage them and remind them that they are seen and they are represented. So I think that's it for me today, friends. I hope you've had a great holiday weekend and you continue to have fun today. Don't give up. Don't be done. So go out, do something that sounds fun to you for the the end of this holiday weekend. And we will see you back here on Thursday. Y'all have a great week.